Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's game day segment, my guest will be beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Before he joins us, just a few news and notes to get us started. We'll take a win at any time in the Breslin Center, and Saturday's 82-72 win was especially sweet. Yes, the Spartans had lost to Ohio State last week and needed overtime to beat Rutgers at home, but they were still ranked number four in the country, and just about everyone in the media had them penciled in for another Final Four appearance. Now that might still happen, as Tom Izzo has an insanely talented and athletic team, which made beating them in their house even sweeter. After the game, John Beeline was asked how big the win was. He said it was big, but unless his young team capitalized and kept improving, it was just that, a big win. Well, Monday night it looked like we were going to squander the momentum from that big win in East Lansing. We came out firing bricks, looked tentative on defense, and didn't attack the boards like we have been most of the season. The second half was a different story. We picked up the pace, executed on offense, hit the boards, and played better D. You know the rest of the story. It took a 50-foot bullet pass from freshman Isaiah Livers to a streaking Abdur Rachman, who drew a foul going to the hole, and then two pressure-packed free throws from him to eke out a win. And as they say, a win is a win. Other than the one-day turnarounds early in the season back in Maui, playing Michigan State on Saturday and then coming back on Monday to play Maryland is not easy. But this team fought and clawed its way to victory against a depleted and game Maryland squad. Now we get a few days rest, and then it's off to Nebraska on Thursday and back here against Rutgers on Sunday. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News says a lot of what we're seeing right now is unexpected. From the impact of our three freshmen to the rapidly improving play of Xavier Simpson and so much more. James Hawkins is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. With us on our game day segment this week to talk some Michigan hoops is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Great to have you back with us, James. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, last week at this time, we looked at the Purdue and Michigan State games and said we would know a lot more about this Michigan team by Saturday night. And I think what we learned is this team might be pretty good, James. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think the team might be learning about themselves, too, is that they're better than maybe what they initially thought. Um, like you said, we all thought going into this week, it was going to be a revealing week. First, they had Purdue when they were number five at home, and then they uh, looked like they were going to get run out of the building there early on. I mean, Purdue went up 14 in the first half rather quickly. And um, and then, of course, they had like the freshmen kind of give the spark, and then they kind of claw back in it. And then they uh, they have a chance, you know, down the stretch before they had a couple calls go against them. And then at Michigan State, um, I don't know how many people kind of saw that, that, uh, that win coming. Um, Obviously, Mo Wagner probably played the best game of his career, even with a bum ankle. And ironically, you know, John Beeline said afterwards they weren't even sure if uh, Mo was even going to be able to play that game. But yeah, I, I definitely think. I mean, this week showed a lot about this team. I mean, they just don't they don't quit. They don't give up. I mean, like I said at Purdue, I mean, you get down fourteen, um, it's easy to kind of get uh, rattled, I guess, and just kind of let that snowball. But I mean, they just kind of 
they just kind of dug down and then they fought back. And then, you know, Michigan State, there was a couple of times where maybe you thought they'd get rattled when the building, like it felt like the Breslin Center, you know, the roof was going to fly off the off it when Michigan State was making some runs. But then every time that happened, someone came up with a big basket. And uh, most times it was Mo. Well, we're taping this on Monday morning. So by the time this show airs, we'll know what happened in the Maryland game on Monday night. So today, James, I'd, I'd just like to get your observations in general on this team and what you've seen so far, especially after Saturday's game in East Lansing, starting with the toughness question. All last year, we heard Michigan was a soft team, a white-collar team, as one Illinois player put it. I think we all remember that well. I, yeah. So far, and increasingly, you cannot say that about this team. This is a gritty group so far. Like I, I guess the whole white-collar thing stems from, I guess, like just John Beeline's teams are generally just like three-point shooting teams and, um, you know, they don't really bang in the post, I guess. I guess that's where the, the whole generalization comes from. But I think with this team, yeah, I mean, there's – they showed Saturday against Michigan State. I mean, they were more physical. They out-toughed them, I guess, is what uh, the words Miles Bridges used after the game. But I think what you can point to with this with this Michigan team is, like, really they get it done by rebounding a lot and by defense, which I guess is – most people, I guess, wouldn't associate with uh, with Michigan teams, I guess, and more so they would associate with Michigan State teams in the past. But the, that's the one thing that really stands out to me about this year's team is Beeline might have his best perimeter guards he's had in a, in a while in, in Xavier Simpson at the point guard and Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman at the, at the two and then Charles Matthews at the wing. Um, I mean, if you remember last year, there was times where Beeline just wanted Muhammad Ali just to be a, a shutdown defender and he would just simply task him with guarding the team's best player. And now he's just one of, you know, three really good defenders that they have. I mean, Xavier Simpson really kind of sets the tone at the point guard spot. He's kind of a bulldog, you know, resembling of uh, Derek Walton. Um, uh, I'm sure there's some of that kind of rubbed off on him last season, obviously playing behind Derek Walton. And uh, I think that's just some, that's just how inherently uh, Xavier Simpson is. He says he always plays every game with a chip on his shoulder. Like Muhammad Ali, after the game, he, like, you know, they talk about, you know, Xavier's defense kind of setting the tone. And they, they say, I mean, when you see a guy like that, you know, given the effort that he he's giving, it's like you almost don't want to let him down. You, you know, you don't want to kind of be that weak link on defense. Those are the two things that stand up to me so far is just kind of their defensive rebounding. I think they rank second in the Big Ten in defensive rebounding percentage, so they're eliminating a lot of these a lot of these teams to just one possession, and then just the the, the defense they have. I think in the latest Ken Palm rankings, they're like 16th or 15th in the nation and adjusted defensive efficiency, which is uh, Almost unheard of uh, for uh, a Michigan team under John Beeline. Again, last year at this time, uh, we were just bemoaning the fact that Michigan wasn't boxing out. They just were not playing tough, smart defense. And Coach B always says the same thing. Defense is about hard work on that end of the floor. And it really is driving this team uh, uh, surprisingly this year. You can look to their defense. Their defense is really fueling their offense. That's kind of what Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman kind of said after after the Michigan State win, I mean, you can just kind of look at that game alone. I mean, they uh, they forced Michigan State into 18 turnovers, and uh, granted, some of that was self-inflicted uh, with Michigan State, but I mean, they, they turned that into 26 points off of turnovers, which is an absurd amount out of 80, 82 uh, total points that Michigan scored. But yeah, I mean, their their defense is definitely feeling their offense. I mean, they, they do well when they get out in transition, and that helps a lot when, you know, they're just limiting the opponents to just one shot, and they're able to get the ball and push up the floor uh, rather quickly. Well, and you just touched on it a couple of times, the rebounding aspect of this team. I mean, if you're looking for reasons as to why Michigan almost beat Purdue and then took down State on Saturday, uh, right at the top of that list with defense, 
would be rebounding on both ends of the floor. We've seen a marked improvement there, James. Yeah, they actually out-rebounded Purdue uh, by seven. I mean, they, they held the edge 36 to 29, which is something you don't hear about because, I mean, when you think of Purdue, you obviously think about their size and they have uh, two they the two seven-footers with, uh, you know, Isaac Haas and Matt Harms off the bench. So they kind of they kind of held them off the boards all night, and then against Michigan State, they actually held a um, out rebounded them on the offensive end, you know, eleven to eight. And John Beeline said after the game, he, was, he said he never doesn't remember anything like that ever happening before in all the games that he's played against uh, Michigan State. But with with the rebounding, I mean, I think the biggest credit you have to give is to Mo Wagner because last season, I mean, he wasn't the team's leading rebounder. I think he might have ranked like fourth or fifth on the team, and which is not something you want from your center. I mean. DJ Wilson was obviously the team's leader, and I think it was Derek Walton and Zach Irvin were ab- above him, you know, the two, like, you know, guarding a wing above your, your center. But um, this year, I mean, Mo Wagner is clearly leading the team in rebounding. I think a lot of it might have to do with just that he maybe just has a mentality down, and a lot of it might just be like, it seems like Michigan's trying to keep him closer um, in the paint, like close to the to basket. Um that he's able to just grab those rebounds. And I think he's just doing a lot, a much better job of getting in position. Um, and, and Beeline said uh, after the game, he said, like, you know, for any analytic people out there um, to, like, look into how far, like, Mo is actually going to get a lot of his rebounds because it just seems like there was, there's kind of been a switch within the season that uh, he just understands the importance of rebounding. And it's, uh, it's really shown so far, you know, for the, through these first 19 games. Well, another thing I, I think we can say in mid-January is that we might not have a quarterback controversy moving forward at the point guard. I don't think anyone would argue the fact here in mid-January that Xavier Simpson, based on what we've seen in the last few weeks, is that guy, James. Yeah, no, I actually wrote about this the other day. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it kind of really started the second half at Iowa when he started the uh, started the second half at Iowa, like Xavier Simpson did. And you, you just look at the past four games. So you take the Iowa game and then Illinois, um, then Purdue and Michigan State. He scored at least 15 points three times, and he's had at least five assists in three of those games as well. And it's, and it's incredible because he, he also has an, like a limited offensive role, too, when you think about it. I mean, he's not kind of a guy that they're really dialing up plays for or the offense is really moving through. Um, he's more so just there, you know, for his defense and to kind of help, help the offense. And granted, you know, he started the first four games of the season, and uh, John Bilei made the switch after the, the close loss to LSU um, in the Maui Invitational opener. Um, to put in freshman Eli Brooks and you know Eli was making the offense run run smoother but since Xavier's come in Beeline admitted after the Michigan State game that maybe he you know some of that's maybe his fault he wasn't maybe giving Xavier long enough of a leash I guess you know he said he was kind of pulling him rather quickly after he made a few mistakes rather than you know maybe giving him that third third or fourth mistake you know to kind of leave him on the floor and maybe work through it but Xavier is clearly by far the the best point guard and like I said I mean it's a lot of it is, you know, his defense. That's, you know, his main his main thing that he's known for. But uh, obviously, his you just look at his turnovers and his assists ratios. I think it's like three to one over the past four games, and just the fact that he's he's getting it done on offense too. And you look at the Purdue game. I mean, there was a couple times where he he drove it right at Isaac Haas. He had like that one floater teardrop in the first half, and he kind of had that like hook running hook shot over him too. And then at Michigan State, um, he was aggressive from the tip. He drove, I think he took three of Michigan's first four shots. And granted, he didn't finish at the rim those those times, but he, you know, that didn't deter him from, you know, driving right at, you know, Michigan's 
you know, the, the teeth of Michigan State's defense and driving right the, the big men, and he, you know, kind of started to finish at the rim in the in the second half, you know, to really help uh, Michigan pull away. So he's just he's just kind of been fearless um, on offense, and you know, and he just really sets the tone on defense uh, for the for Michigan. No, absolutely, I like what we're getting from him. The only thing I get concerned about is that fifty two percent free throw percentage shooting. He's got to work on that. Yeah, it's it's not something you need from your point guard. I mean, obviously, when you look at who they had. You know, four seasons before, Derek Walton and Derek Walton was, I think, always leading the team and shooting like a, you know, 80, 90% or something like that. You know, he goes to the line, it's most guaranteed. Um, and, and obviously, he knows that. I mean, I mean, you can look at it. He had the five misses, and, you know, Michigan entered the game, entered the Michigan State game, shooting like 65% roughly. And then they go and they make their first 19 straight. And then it kind of gets down into crunch time with like two minutes left. And then he misses the, uh, four straight when they Michigan State goes to the Hack of Simpson uh, strategy. And, uh, but I mean, granted, I mean, some players, I guess they would let that snowball when you start missing those, but then he kind of, st- he, they followed him again and he made two straight after he missed those, missed those four. And then uh, he split another pair. So he made three of his last four to kind of help put the game away. But definitely that's, that's a, that's a concern. Um, obviously for Michigan, you don't need your point guard to be shooting like just barely over 50%. And then, same thing goes for Charles Matthews, though, and I think everyone kind of knows that he's not the uh, greatest free throw shooter either. But that's kind of something that definitely both those guys need to uh, definitely need to work on, which is kind of unchar- uncharacteristic too. I think if you think of John Beeline teams, usually they're one of the better free throw shooting teams, but that just hasn't kind of really been the uh, theme this season. We'll spend a minute or so talking about uh, Mo Wagner. Of course, uh, a monster game on Saturday at less than 100%, as we learned he tweaked that ankle injury or, or whatever the injury is uh, last Thursday in practice. But still, at less than 100%, you would have never known it watching him uh, on Saturday. You just get the feeling he loves the big stage. He loves these big games. He's getting healthier, we hope. He just looks like the kind of guy who's ready for that stretch run, doesn't he? You look at Mo's best games of his of his career. I mean, you look at last season, it's always on the big stage. I mean, he, he, he admits it. he thrives off the crowd. He feeds off of it. And, um, he really played the part. Um, you, you saw like, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, he hit, he hit several momentum shifting shots in the first half when, uh, Jaron Jackson had back to back blocks and then he threw down a left-handed dunk on the other end. I mean, the Breslin crowd was going absolutely nuts. And then he came right back down and hit the three from uh, top of the key. And then, uh, he kind of, you know, put his fingers to his lips to shush the crowd. And there was, uh, several moments where he was flexing and, uh, yeah, he just, he just thrives off of that type of environment. And he topped his career high and career high last season was in the Louisville game in the second round of the NCAA tournament where he, uh, you know, he's absolutely just put on a clinic, uh, just with his dribble drives and helped fuel Michigan, you know, to get into that sweet 16, but Definitely. It seems like the bigger, the bigger the game, the bigger the moment, it, it kind of just seems like uh, Mo Wagner it just seems to elevate his game to new heights. And I mean, Michigan State was just the, uh, the latest example. And probably the only thing we have to be concerned about with Mo is that ankle injury, the ankle sprain. Coach B, of course, doesn't talk much about injuries. He, he said he did not know if uh, Mo was going to play until game time or shortly before. But those are the kind of injuries, those are ankle sprains, high ankle sprains, it takes a long time for those things to get better, James. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at when Mo came off of the injury, he, he missed those, obviously he got injured in the second half at Texas, um, and then he missed the next two games, uh, the final two non-conference games, but those first two games when he came back, I mean, you could just kind of tell he wasn't really wasn't really himself. I mean, he kind of just, Beeline says he was playing off balance, and it kind of looked like it, 
like some of his just post moves weren't very crisp. I think there was, you know, one time he kind of lost, lost his balance, you know, on a spin move and he just didn't really look like himself. And, you know, I don't know to what extent, you know, that he kind of tweaked it. I mean, he just, uh, Bjorn just essentially said that he re-injured it. Um, but I mean, a lot of it, this game with the Michigan State game, obviously a lot of it was just, he was just running on pure adrenaline and he had a, he had a brace on his right ankle, which is the first time I can remember him wearing. Um, obviously we don't, Michigan State, we sit down the baseline, so we're much closer as opposed to Michigan where we're kind of up in the upper bowl. So I can't say for certain that he hasn't worn a right ankle brace. So that's the first game I can remember him wearing it was, you know, this past weekend at Michigan State. And it's obviously a, a major concern. I mean, you need uh, Mo Wagner, obviously, uh, for this team to be at its best. And um, hopefully it's it's nothing serious, but you kind of hope that, you know, Michigan didn't, you know, maybe rush him back or push him back too soon. Um, you know, that's not something I'm trying to say, but um, obviously they said he just he just re-aggravated or he aggravated his injury at uh, practice. But, yeah, it's, it obviously doesn't help, too, with this week that they have coming up where he still might not be 100%. And then, you know, Michigan has three games in seven days this week, you know, with Maryland on Monday. Then they got uh, at Nebraska on Thursday, then uh, Rutgers at home on Sunday. So, yeah, you just hope that, you know, maybe they can try to keep him off his feet, you know, as much as, much as possible to help him heal. but it's quite clear that uh, Michigan needs uh, Mo Wagner to kind of be at their best. Well, another player I'm watching closely is Charles Matthews. Another player that we need uh, very much, clearly a talented player. Some say the most talented on this team. As good as he is, though, James, it just appears to me he still hasn't quite found his role with this team. And that might just be me. What do you think? There's an interesting dynamic with Charles Matthews, because obviously there's he you know, he's, he had to sit the last year, but then there's kind of, he's behind leaders. I mean, you have like Mo Wagner, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman and Duncan Robinson. It's kind of, you know, they're, they're the upper class and the leaders of the team and they have Charles and early on, he was kind of asserting himself, you know, as the best player, but then there's like kind of moments when it gets in the crunch time and it's kind of this interesting dynamic of, I guess you could say, is he, you know, trying to play hero ball or is, you know, is he just the guy that needs to have the ball in those final seconds? So, kind of with him, it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, so he kind of has that. It's almost like, you know, should he be the guy who's taking over or is it, you know, is it Muhammad Ali, the guy who should be taking over? Is it Mo Wagner? So he's kind of in an interesting situation. Um, I guess, I mean, when you look at it from, you know, take a step back and look at it. Um, I think now he kind of, we saw him throughout non-conference play. He was clearly, you know, the team's best player, um, throughout the non-conference stretch, but ever since kind of the big 10 play has started, his kind of numbers have kind of dipped and, I don't know if he's kind of just adjusting to the uh, competition now. I mean, because if you look at just the past few games, I mean, at Michigan State, he only shot uh, three for 10 from the field. And then against Purdue, he was five for 14. So the shooting numbers haven't been that great um, since Big Ten plays kind of picked back up. But I think he I think he kind of knows his role. I think the thing with uh, Michigan's offense under John Beeline is just that it can be any guy on any given day. And, I mean, you can just look at, the past few games, as an example, I mean, at Iowa, it was Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman and Xavier Simpson were the leading scorers. I think they tied for 15. And then the Illinois game, I think there was like four or five guys in double figures. I think Mo Wagner led the team. And then, uh, you know, the Purdue game, it was uh, Xavier Simpson again, you know, leading scorer at 15. And then the Michigan State game, uh, obviously it was Mo Wagner at 27 points in 27 minutes. So um, I just think it's, I don't know if it's that he hasn't found his role. I just think with this offense, it's just not really a uh, 
kind of a one or two man show um, anymore. It's just kind of on any given night, it can just be kind of anyone on this team can uh, kind of stand out and be the leading scorer. And we saw that even it can be a bench guy. I mean, we saw the Big Ten open it against Indiana. Jordan Poole came in and poured in 19 points. So I just think, like I said, it's just, I guess it's just based on the matchup that day. And I guess just kind of whoever has a hot hand, but I mean, I guess that you can look at that as a good thing that on any given night, you know, you can look at maybe six, seven guys on his team could step up and be the leading scorer that day. Well, with us on our game day segment this week, as we uh, take a look at uh, what's been an exciting season so far for Michigan basketball, beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. James, Coach B said after the game on Saturday that Abdur Rahman is just even keel, very unflappable kind of a kid when you watch him on the floor. And he doesn't get the attention a lot of the other guys get, James. But he might be, at least in my opinion, the glue player on this team. And he's a veteran and very, very important the rest of the way. Oh, no question. I would, I would absolutely agree that he's kind of the glue guy with, the glue guy with this team. And I mean, you can look to last season, too. He was kind of the most underheld player in that starting five, but he's obviously a, a very, very, you know, key player for this this starting lineup. I mean, he brings so much to the to the lineup, like I said earlier. I mean, he, he's obviously, you know, there's games where he's going to guard the opposition's best player, and there are games, too, where he could step up and he can lead the team. I mean, look at uh, when they played at Texas after Mo Wagner went down. He, that wasn't the game where he really kind of stepped up and helped carry the team down the stretch. And throughout that game, I mean, Granted, he hit some lucky shots. I mean, you could the bank three comes to mind, but I mean, he was relentless at attacking the rim, and you know, at Muhammad Bamba and Texas's size, um, and he started finishing at the at the rim, and he really set the tone for the team in that game. And he's done that throughout several games this season. I mean, you know, he's I think when he's at his best is when he's getting downhill, and he's attacking the rim, and I mean that obviously can open up shots for you know the rest of the team. And you look at throughout. I would say the first half of the season, I think he was like the the team's leading assist guy, um, obviously because the whole, like we said earlier, the point guard situation. So there was like some flux there. So, you know, obviously it was Eli and Xavier were kind of uh, splitting time there. But yeah, he, do, he does so many things for this team. I mean, whether it's, you know, stepping up on offense, you know, you know, uh, setting the tone on defense, um, leading, leading the break, you know, getting rebounds. I mean, he just does a little bit of everything. And that's, you know, that's something that this team really needs. And, and then, we talk about the toughness and the grit. Beeline kind of said that. I mean, he's one of the guys that kind of, you know, where that comes from with this mm-hmm. team. That's kind of one of the, he's one of the guys where this team kind of feeds off that from is, uh, is uh, Muhammad and Xavier kind of said the same thing afterwards too, is like, that's kind of the guy who, you know, a lot of guys look to, and that's kind of where they get it from is, uh, is Muhammad Ali. Well, Isaiah Livers got to start on Saturday and we'll see if that continues this week, but he and the other two freshmen, Poole and Brooks, surprisingly, are going to be key players at the rest of the way, James, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Beeline says it all the time, too. I mean, if you look across the country, I mean, freshmen really don't kind of step in and make a, you know, a big impact, you know, early on in their careers or, you know, their freshman year. But kind of been the motto with Beeline, though. I mean, throughout the year, I mean, the team's kind of, you know, continue to get better and grow and, and progress. And that's, you know, you just look at those two guys, and that's just the, the clear example of it. I mean, I, uh, Eli Brooks was starting, you know, just five games in the season, and he started like 12 games straight. And then... um Isaiah Livers, like like we mentioned, he got his first start against Michigan State, but he's he's kind of been, I guess, the guy who's been coming on the most as of late. Um, the three games before the Michigan State game, I mean, he was coming off the bench, and he scored uh, at least 10 points in three straight games, and 
Jordan Poole, we all know, he kind of comes in and he brings that immediate spark with his uh, three-point shooting. And, I mean, he kind of did that, you know, throughout the season. Um, you know, most obvious was the Indiana game where he came in and kind of lit it up in the Big Ten opener. He hit five, five to ten from threes or something like that. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely all going to play key roles. And um, it'll be interesting to see with Isaiah Livers whether he, he stays in the starting lineup. Um Feeling kind of alluded to it being the matchup against Michigan State as to why Isaiah got to start. Um, obviously, he gave them a better matchup on defense um, as opposed to Duncan Robinson, who they put back on the bench. But I think it, I think for the team to be probably at its best, I would I would assume that Isaiah would be in the starting lineup. I just think that he probably offers the team uh, more on the defensive end than Duncan does. Um, I mean, granted, he, he didn't have the, the offensive performance like he was having against Michigan State. And I mean, that's, I mean, he also was uh, tasked with guarding Jaron Jackson Jr., who's a uh, projected top 10 NBA pick, which is not an easy assignment in your uh, first career starting college. But he kind of held his own and he kind of played a key role against Michigan State when all of Michigan centers got in foul trouble early on. I mean, Mo Wagner, John Teske, and Austin Davis all were hit with uh, two fouls in the first half. And, you know, that it was small with Isaiah at the five. But, uh, I mean, Isaiah gives you that versatility. Like I said, he could play small with him at the five. And he kind of his three-point shooting has come along as of late, too, which has been a big help. But definitely moving forward, I mean, all three of these guys are still going to play you know, key minutes, um, you know, whether it's Isaiah in the starting lineup, you know, but Jordan Poole and Eli are definitely going to be, um, you know, key contributors off the bench playing, you know, probably you could see at least each guy playing at least 10 minutes uh, the rest of the way moving forward. From my perspective at this point in the season, James, already better than I ever expected. And I think a lot of fans would say that. But what really intrigues me is this team really isn't hitting on all cylinders yet. Moe's just getting back to health, we hope. Uh, Charles Matthews still sort of finding his way uh, with everyone getting in sync. Xavier just taking the reins at the point and the freshmen, as well as others, starting to contribute more. It's coming together, as it usually always does for a John Beeline team. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't think this team has peaked yet. How do you see it? Right. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. I mean, that's kind of been the case uh, throughout Beeline's team throughout his career is that they kind of, you know, just continue to get better and then they kind of hit their stride. Uh, later on, yeah, I guess you could say like in the Big Ten season, the second half of that or closer to the tournament. And I mean, that appears to be the case this season. I mean, if you if you look at it, they really haven't had their two big guys, the two main guys, Charles Matthews and Mo Wagner, haven't really been firing, like having big games in the same game at all this season. I, I, I can't remember one. There might have been maybe one or two. But I can't remember a game where they both have kind of went off in, in the same game. And I mean, that's something that, you know, might not happen. Who knows? I mean, but I guess you could just, you know, maybe ho- hope that kind of happens. I mean, they haven't really been, you know, engaged for a full a full game at the same time. But yeah, this team definitely hasn't really reached its stride or hit its peak yet. I mean, as we said, you know, Xavier Simpson is just finally starting to kind of find his rhythm, find his, uh, you know, kind of kicking the gear here after, you know, regaining the, the starting spot. And then, we mentioned the freshmen are, you know, coming along and they're, they're starting to hit their stride and kind of get used to the, the competition, you know, kind of learning their role, uh, learning the system better. And I think it, I think it'll kind of, you'll see it maybe, I guess, really start to take off once they kind of get everything set, you know, I guess, as far as the starting lineup. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think John Beeline wants to keep tweaking the lineup um, every game. I think he kind of wants to find that starting five and kind of roll with it so that every, everyone kind of gets that defined role. And I think the, the sooner he finds that, 
obviously I think that's kind of when the team will kind of, you know, everyone kind of gets into their, into a rhythm, kind of knows their role and kind of plays to it. And then I think that's kind of when, you know, you'll see that this team will kind of start to take off. Well, a final question for you, James. Um, here we are, it's mid January, six big 10 games, uh, have taken place so we have 12 uh, to go for for everyone but in the end do you still think the spartans will be the team to beat or is ohio state really that good or maybe is that veteran purdue team uh the squad still to watch it, it really is going to be a great stretch run isn't it yeah it's interesting i mean i think ohio state's a surprise team for sure i don't know if many people saw them uh kind of playing as well as as they are i mean gets a uh baits the up i mean he's probably one of the more underrated players in the Big Ten. And, uh, I mean, he's leading the Big Ten in scoring, which is, uh, you know, I mean, you, you think you'd be getting a, you know, you'd be hearing a lot more about him, but you really haven't. And he was kind of, he came up big in, against Michigan when Michigan kind of blew that 20-point lead there. And then he also came up big when uh, he upset Michigan State there, too. But, I mean, that's interesting, those those three teams. I don't, I can't really, I can't see Ohio State um, sustaining this Um if they do, I mean, uh, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be surprised, but I just can't see them, you know, kind of maintaining that top role. Um, obviously, I think it's going to come down to Michigan State and Purdue, but I mean, granted, Michigan State hasn't looked like uh, a top team these past three games. I mean, obviously, they lost at Ohio State and then to Michigan and then survived Rutgers and OT. I still think they're just a mismatch nightmare for most teams, and they're obviously one of the most talented and most talented teams and they have a, a deep bench. Um, I think as soon as they kind of figure out the whole Nick Ward situation as, you know, kind of Ohio State exposed when they just kind of clamped down and doubled him right away, um, Michigan State just really didn't know what to do um, out of that. And Michigan kind of did that in the second half against Nick Ward. I think as soon as they kind of find an answer to that to that situation as to when teams just come, come and double Nick Ward right away, um, then I think they'll kind of they'll be fine. But I, I just think Michigan State is still the best team. I mean, talent wise, and I mean, just look at the matchups that they present. I, I still think that they'll they'll kind of uh, finish at the top, even despite you know being tied with Michigan right now in third place in the Big Ten. You know, and two games behind uh, Purdue and Ohio State. I I still think they're the best team. Well, my guest today has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. As always, James, uh, a pleasure having you on the show. And we look forward to having you back in February for another visit and what's uh, going to be a topsy-turvy month. No doubt. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, but it was a special night for senior Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman as he sealed the win for us against Maryland on Monday night with two free throws with 1.2 seconds left to reach 1,000 career points on the mark. So congratulations to Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman. Senior Caitlin Flaherty was named to the Big Ten Player of the Week honor roll after a pair of 20-point games. Flaherty tied Haley Brown for game-high honors against Indiana, scoring 23 points with six assists and a steal in 40 minutes. Flaherty had 26 points on 9-for-17 shooting, with two assists in 43 minutes at Nebraska. In that game, Flaherty passed Glenn Rice's school record 
of 2,444 points to become Michigan's all-time leading scorer with 2,457. Michigan beat Nebraska in overtime on Saturday on the road, 69-64. Tonight, Coach Barnes-Arico and her number 19-ranked team visit Ohio State to take on the Big Ten leading and 8th-ranked Buckeyes. Michigan is 4-2 in the Big Ten, 15-4 overall. Jim Harbaugh announced on Monday the hiring of Sharon Moore as the team's tight end coach. Moore joins the Wolverine staff after spending the past four seasons at Central Michigan. Hockey swept number 9 Minnesota last weekend up in Minneapolis. They will return home for a pair this weekend against Penn State. They are 5-7-2 in the Big Ten, 10-10-2 overall, heading into this weekend's action. The number 8-ranked University of Michigan wrestling team suffered its first Big Ten conference loss of the season, falling to number 1 Penn State 25-12 on Friday night in front of a crowd of 4,009 at the Chrysler Center. The Wolverines, who dropped four straight close matches at PSU's gauntlet at the middle and upperweights, earned bonus points in all three of their individual wins. Michigan won early and late in the duel, with freshman Drew Matten and junior Stephen Michik claiming back-to-back major decisions at 125 and 133 pounds, respectively, and graduate student heavyweight Adam Kuhn adding another in the final match of the night to remain undefeated. The Wolverines are 5-2 overall, 2-1 in the Big Ten, and they will wrestle a pair of Big Ten duels this weekend, taking on Wisconsin at 7 p.m. on Friday at Cliff Keen Arena before traveling to Minneapolis to take on the Gophers at 1 p.m. on Sunday. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or review the program, and thanks in advance for doing that. You can also get our free show app from the Google and iTunes stores. We can also be found on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio, so check them out. That will do it for this week. I'm hoping to have a Michigan Man Extra for you on Friday. We're going to get Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports on to update recruiting for not only the class of 2018, but to see what's happening right now with the class of 2019, which is beginning to take shape. So I'll let you know on Facebook and Twitter when that show goes live. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!